Hey, it's David Cicerelli, the CEO and founder of Voices. And here we have on the show today, uh, the Voice Branding Podcast and welcoming in Armando Merlo. He's the lead producer of sports and finance at Yahoo. Uh, Armando and I are going to be talking about a couple of innovative campaigns for Yahoo Sports. The, of course, the use of sound in these campaigns. And as always, some lessons I'm sure that both of us wish we learned earlier. Um, but first, let me introduce Armando. Armando's a multidisciplinary creative producer with a background in digital, web, motion, and experimental marketing. He currently works as the lead producer at Yahoo's brand's creative team, overseeing the creative production of Yahoo Sports and Yahoo Finance, two of their most successful properties uh, and well, most well-known. Starting his career, though, initially in New York, he's produced work for Condé Nast, AOL, and Verizon Media, among many others. Currently, Armando's based in San Francisco, where I was just last week. Maybe we should have done this in person, but here we are today. Armando, welcome to the show. Thank you. What's going on? Thanks for oh, having me. Of course. Glad to, glad to have you. Um, I'd love to get things going. I mean, you know, first, what attracted you to the world of digital media? I mean, there's probably a, maybe a childhood story, a camera left behind somewhere that you're tinkered with. How, how did it all get going for you? Yeah, I think, uh, well, digital, I think um, I kind of just followed where the culture was going. But uh, I think the earliest kind of story I can trace it back to is uh, telling my parents I wanted to design Pepsi cans. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, I studied um, graphic design um, in college and uh, started my career as an art director and somehow ended up in production like most producers do, uh, yeah, it's kind of usually just a maze to get there. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of it. I mean, I just kind of followed where the trends were going and where culture was going, and ended up in digital. So that's that's really cool. Did you you must have had a lot of Pepsi cans around the house or something? What what, what do you remember? Why you wanted to redesign? I mean, such an iconic logo already. Yeah, I don't, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but it was like when Pepsi was doing like the Pepsi taster taster challenge. And yeah, I, taste I think test I challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I was just fascinated by Pepsi cans and just advertising in general. So that's I'm going to design Pepsi cans, mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you landed you landed well, and you landed at Yahoo. What was the journey from? You know, we mentioned a few um, other really leading brands: Condé Nast, AOL, Verizon, and then Yahoo. Are there a few you know themes or kind of um, as you said, kind of following the culture? Maybe you can unpack what that what that means. Yeah, I, ex I mean, I started my career in fashion, fashion and luxury brands. So I, I my first job out of college was uh, for a big fashion house, Liz Claiborne, and all yeah. of the, you know, brands that they had in their, uh, you know, under their umbrella. And yeah, from there, kind of went out on my own a little bit, did the freelance thing, like a lot of, you know, 20-somethings do early in their career, and um, got to work with Tim Gunn. Um, who had an affiliation with Liz at the time. And yeah, just kind of started taking on clients, um, started dipping my toe into the production world because I was producing a lot of the projects, you know, for the clients I was working for. And somehow, um, yeah, a colleague at Liz uh, started a startup basically where she was, um, you know, repping photographers, um, set designers, makeup artists. And she wanted to be able to offer kind of an in-house, like an all-in-one offering of, you know, if my client books a job, we have a producer that could produce that shoot, that photo mm -hmm. shoot. So, you know, having a, a little bit of a background in fashion, she asked me to kind of lead that team up. And that was my first real exposure to, you know, I'm a producer now. Yeah. So 
That's, well, that's the, it's a big title. I mean, a lot of, a lot of folks don't appreciate that the, you know, producer wears many hats. I mean, especially in a video shoot, it's like, sometimes you're the cinematographer, sometimes you're the lighting assistant or even the runner. I mean, what, what are some kind of odd roles that you needed to fill? I mean, is that a fair you know, representation of what a producer does is like fill the gap to make the show go on? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, really everything, uh, Everything from run, from coffee runs early, you know, early in my career to yeah. uh, pep talks. Pep talks yes. are a big one. Uh, you know, making sure the team morale is high and everyone's getting what they what they need to produce their best work. And uh, mm. yeah, that, I mean, that's really it. It's really just having that skill of being super versatile because you know that that's how I approach it. I think all good producers approach it that way. We want to set the creatives up to do mm -hmm. their absolute best work and you know, maximize efficiencies, make sure everything goes as smoothly as possible. So I, I love that you brought up pep talks because this is interesting. Are you giving them to the team, like the crew, or is it the, the, the on-air talent, if you will, the on-camera talent, uh, or perhaps both? Uh, it depends, but I would say, yeah, the team that I'm responsible for, although mm -hmm. it, it's no, no one is off limits. It's kind yeah. of <laughs> whatever you, whoever you need to talk to, to kind of get everyone at a good baseline, you, you know, you do it. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, more my team, you know, it's kind of a caretaker role, making sure my team is good and yeah, feeling good. So good, good, good for you. I mean, listen, the having that sensitivity to be able to kind of dial in that maybe somebody's feeling a little off or they're just dragging it a bit and like, Hey, how can we bring that energy level up so that everyone's feeling, uh, feeling great? Are there kind of telltale signs, uh, not to dwell too much, but are there telltale signs where, Hey, maybe, maybe someone needs some, a little bit of love on, on set. Um, no, I don't think there's, I mean, no, not telltale signs. I think it's different for everyone. I think one more skill of a producer is just being a really great people person and mm -hmm. like being able to read people and just tap into, you know, their, their vibe level, mm -hmm. you know, like do a vibe check. But yeah. I think it's more, yeah, I mean, listen, the creative process is super fun. It's super messy sometimes. And you kind of got to, you know, be able to play in that space and, People are putting a lot of passion out there. So yeah, you just check in with everyone. You good? Great. Yeah. What can I, what yeah. Can I do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a real kind of servant heart of being able to offer, um, offer assistant. You also mentioned around the creative process, something that we've been covering on virtually every episode. Um, what does that look like? I mean, it's not, you know, what we see is the day of the shoot or the couple days of the shoot, but obviously it starts much earlier on. How does that begin? Is, you know, is it, a campaign's kind of kicked off. Is it you know? Is there a initial brainstorming and work a workshopping session? What is how does a campaign get get initially started at Yahoo? Yeah, for us, it starts with a great brief. Yeah, <laughs> do that for all my creatives and all my other producers listening. Uh, yeah, a great brief. Um, we're lucky enough to have a really you know robust and and well organized team. Uh, you know, we have strategy leads that work directly with our stakeholders to develop really, really great briefs that are kind of easy to translate to a creative language, which is where mm -hmm. I come in. Um, yeah, and then that's it. We kick the project off and the brief is a big one. And I would say for us, um, everything is really filtered through what we like to call an OCI, um, mm -hmm. uh, acronym for Organizing, Cre Organizing Creative Idea. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, whatever the brief is, we solve it with that OCI and then kind of all creative decisions 
are, are put through that lens. So, so who's is it? Who is it? A marketing director, product marketer? Who's filling out the creative brief that ends up on on your desk? Yeah, product marketing manager. We refer mm-hmm. to them as PMMs on the yep. Yahoo uh, team here, and then um, a strategy lead that actually sits on creative. Uh, their titles are officially uh, marketing integration and opportunity. Okay. Very, yeah, very fancy. There. Yeah, nice. it is. The more more words, the fancier it is. And Absolutely. now these, you know, you know, the creative brief I think is always a challenge because you know it. You need it. Um, and I and I heard your plug for. It. Do you ever have to send these back and be like, listen, I need more than like a dozen words here. Like it's we got to round this out. Almost like imagine it coming to life. And what does that you know? Let's put that into words. Do you ever have to send these back to to the team or or to you know a, a brand uh, that you guys are working with? We do send them back sometimes. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it, it depends, you know, it depends on the ask, but uh, when everything is working uh, at the highest level, we have a project brief, which has not only a creative focus, but a business mm. focus. Yep. And then we'll also have a creative brief, which is more visual, uh, more inspirational, um, a little bit more fun. I said it. Um, but yeah, I mean the, you know, the brief is just the first stage in the process. So it's, we got to get to a good brief and then we kind of move on from there. For sure. And where does, where does the script come in after this brief? Is that, you know, are we thinking about that already? Even some of the language that we might be using that's kind of inserted and sprinkled into the brief? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the brand, you know, a a script for finance is going to be much different than a script for sports. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're tapped into those different users and, you know, to those different brands, but it also depends on what the media plan calls for. Um, You know, if there's a a need for motion graphics, you know, for us, for us to actually do a live action shoot, um, you know, then we will write the script accordingly to live action or just motion graphics animation or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever we're rec, whatever our reco is. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the format is a little bit going to dictate that. I mean, if it's like a customer success story, I mean, there's not a whole lot other than maybe interview yeah. questions, you know, that they're trying to pull, um, you know, pull out a story. Uh, and then of course the day of, and, and then finally, you know, and, and I'm not, no mean to kind of skip over that, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, you know, the, the, the shoot in, in a minute, but post-production, how much, you know, if you were to kind of gauge how much time is spent kind of pre-production, during the production day, you know, shoot, and then post-production, is it, is it a third, a third, and a third, or is it, you know, a different, uh, a different mix? Probably depends on the project. The old depends. It depends on the project. Um, yeah. I think, believe it or not, I think when the process is working, so, it, so again, it, it depends. I think for live action, when the process is working, as, as at its best, mm-hmm. we're having more prep time than shoot yeah. time and post time. The more we yeah. can prepare, I think that sets us up, you know, for the most success. Uh, the reality is a lot of time post gets crunched. Um, yeah. For whatever reason, uh, you're just hustling to get to a place when you shoot. And sometimes you're, you know, you're pushed back. So you kind of have to make that time up in post. But mm-hmm. yeah, when it's working at it, you know, when it's working, the process is working its best. I think we're, it's probably, I don't know, let me do the math, 40, 30, 30? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Something like that? Well, I think there's a. I think there's an important lesson in there for uh, for all those listening, which is, 
the more time you can spend in pre-production and planning and making some of those decisions and coming to agreement, it's actually going to be less that's happening in post-production. An analogy is around, you know, recording music. I mean, let's make sure all the guitars are tuned, the drums are tuned. You're not going to be able to fix that stuff in post-production. There's just some things that are going to be unfixable um, for the for the most part. So I, I, I think that's super helpful. Yahoo engages in, you call it experimental marketing. What kind of projects fit into this into this group of like experimental? I mean, is it is it is it an anything goes? I'd I'd love to hear about this. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of cover it all. We really do. We, I mean, I, I do have some in mind that I'll mention, but we've we've activated in product uh, and done really cool, you know, in product marketing, just unexpected uh, unexpected solutions that way. Uh, last year, we we spoke about this just a bit ago. Last year, mm-hmm. we we produce a documentary film, which, you know, was new for us since I've been on the, on the team. Uh, and then, you know, we, we also do a lot of cool, um, live events, you know, live mm-hmm. experiential events. I think those are the ones that really come to mind. Um, yeah, I mean, so this is going back a few years, but I used to work on the Yahoo mail account, uh, for yeah. uh, a good bit of time. And, um, yeah, we did a really cool, uh, experiential event, over the holidays one year uh, in partnership with BuzzFeed. And we basically created this holiday marketplace uh, in downtown NYC and partnered with like a lot of really cool, just local vendors. I just remember there was a vendor there that was making like custom pins for people like on the Mm -hmm. spot. I don't know how they were able to make pins, but they were doing that. And yeah, just a lot of like really cool, hip, fun, yeah, just created this this cool marketplace. A um, few years ago, so Yahoo Sports, uh, for a few years, we did have a partnership with the NFL uh, where mm-hmm. we had streaming rights to all NFL games uh, in product. And we did, I think, I I didn't work on the project directly, but I, it was super impressive. I, I think we actually called it like a man cave bus at the Super Bowl. Like it was a, mm-hmm. it was a bus that was decked out for like the ultimate NFL football fan that was like yeah. traveling around and you know, that, it, that, that was our activation. Yeah. Um, what it else? It sounds like Yahoo. it's pretty, pretty free reign in terms of like ideas coming and how they're, how they ultimately get, get executed. Yeah. It, it, de- it depends on the brand too. You know, we're very brand centric and whatever's true to the brand, you know, we, uh, Yahoo finance, just one more Yahoo finance, um, when we launched our uh, subscription product for finance, we activated in Grand Central Station in New York mm-hmm. and basically created this vault with like a la Fort Knox with like a bunch of gold and like cash. Mm-hmm. It was it was wild. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we think user first. We think about having fun and we think about the brand. So, yeah, making yeah. making it making it memorable, especially in Grand Central where you know, people are on the go, but there's also a lot of people who, you know, might have some time to stop and check something out and learn about, learn about a brand. As always, you know, one of the challenges I would imagine perhaps in that, that business brief along with the creative brief is around measurement. Is it, is there a form of measurement that is kind of consistent across all the brand properties at Yahoo? Like, you know, number of engagements or activations. What 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 is what is the uh, the, the unit of measurement, uh, if you will, for these type of uh, initiatives? Yeah, it, it depends. I would say two things. I would say conversion. Uh, 
conversion and engagement, uh, mm-hmm. you know, engagement slash impressions. And, and that really just depends on the, the goals of the campaign. You know, some, right. some marketing campaigns, uh, whether traditional or very experimental, um, they're just based in, they're more conversion based. We're looking right. for a return on investment and that's measured by, you know, how many people download the product that we're marketing. And yeah. then some are more just brand plays, you know, some are more just raising awareness about, mm-hmm. you know, the Yahoo brand and those aren't tied to conversions. Uh, it's more, t- you know, those are more tied to impressions and Absolutely. yeah, engagements on social, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So. No, that's, I, I think every organization, small and large struggles between those two, you know, brand awareness plays aren't just for big business. Sometimes you're doing something to get out in the community, be seen, be heard, engage directly with p- potential customers where there might not be an immediate, uh, immediate conversion. One of the, one of those that, um, that you did launch was, um, let's talk about first bounce. Um, how did this campaign really come about? And m- maybe for those who aren't, uh, aren't familiar, you know, w- what was it and how, and how did it come about? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so it came about from a partnership uh, that Yahoo Sports has with the NBA. So um, every year uh, for over NBA All-Star break, uh, the NBA has this kind of separate event space called NBA Crossover. And it's really, it's a weekend long thing. It's an intersection of art, fashion, tech, and basketball. And a lot of big brands are invited. Uh, so yeah, because we're partners with the NBA, we're, we were invited to activate and it's kind of open. Uh, it's an open brief as long as you're hitting on one of those things, you know, art, fashion, you know, or tech or basketball. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, we went into it. We partnered with some amazing agencies, shout out to Atlantic New York and Hovercraft, um, and created this immersive experience. Uh, we decided to pay tribute um, not only to the NBA stars that everyone loves, but the NBA legends and more importantly, where they got their start. So mm-hmm. we created this immersive experience that allows fans to basically visit four legendary basketball street courts yeah. from around the world. So four mm-hmm. very famous street courts. Um, and each of the courts, we created this environment from different decades. So each court was basically featured during a different decade. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if I can remember them. I'm sure I can. Um, Jackson Park in Chicago in the 1960s. Um, Rucker Park in Harlem in the 70s. Uh, McGregor Park in Houston in the 80s. And Venice Beach in the 90s. I did it. Um, so yeah, that that was the basis for the idea. And we just created a bunch of really cool stuff to bring each of those courts to life. I, I could, I can just imagine the voice, the the music, probably you know, period music from that time. Um, you know, just the, the the whole environment, and this was a space where people are physically walking through, um, almost like you know, museum esque, if you will. Like it's it's a it's it's a it's a setup. Like you're you're walking through and experiencing it firsthand. Is that fair? That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, we basically took I don't know a space the equivalent of of a half court uh, of a basketball court, and yeah, just kind of lit it up with projections. Um, our agency partners can speak more educated in an educated way about this, but they basically tapped into tech pulled from like mapping, like I think some Google Map tech, and created these. I mean, it was it was amazing. Like 
through, yeah, through the mapping of these different courts and these different environments, they then customize them, you know, with cars from the era. And I mean, as detailed as like leaves blowing in the wind. So yeah, that, you know, those were projections, um, on walls. And then, yeah, we had, we had VO, we had music that was specific to each, you know, time to, to each time period, to each decade. We provided playlists, you know, for each decade for users yeah. that came through. And I mean, I, I'm sure we'll talk about the VO. The VO was a huge part of the experience because we were really able to snag some like legendary NBA and streetball talent. Um, yeah. So well, yeah, let, let, a- let's let's do that, and, and we'll definitely get um, a clip of that from you uh, from Yahoo. Maybe it's on YouTube or um, sure. another another source, just so we can put that in the show notes and people can get the walkthrough. How did you go about selecting the the VO for that? I mean, was there a certain quality that you were looking for? I mean, often it's hard because a producer, creative creative producer, director hears it in their head, but. You know, the challenge is, I think, to use your term uh, term earlier about interpreting what maybe the creative brief is looking for. And how do I put that into words to actually find that find that voice? So what, what were the qualities that you were looking for, particularly for this First Bounce campaign? Yeah, I think we didn't necessarily go into it thinking of qualities per se. I think it was all about the storytelling. So, uh, you know, for each decade and each court, we wanted to immerse people in you know, what happened at that court? What were some memories that happened Mm. at that court? What was the vibe? So it just seemed logical to try and find VO talent that actually played on those courts. And, you know, we, we, Venice is a great example. Like we were lucky enough to find, you know, to partner with Ken Hicks. Uh, He's the godfather of of streetball. And Mm -hmm. he just told first, you know, first person accounts of like stuff that happened on the court. Um, same thing with Rucker, you know, the Rucker in the 70s, Nancy Lieberman. She was like, you know, a legend, like legit mm-hmm. legend. They used to call her fire because she had red hair. Um, so she, <laughs> you know, told stories, you know, about what happened at the Rucker. And then Jackson Park was probably the most epic in the 60s. We were able to get like NBA legend Isaiah Thomas. Right. So, um, you know, NBA champion uh, yeah. Isaiah Thomas. So he did the same thing. He talked about you know, how they used to run pickup games in Jackson Park and how this guy had such a pure jump shot. And it was really, really interesting. I mean, it was super, super fascinating to hear just details that, you know, the south side of Chicago was all about the, you know, point, you know, guys that had uh, pure shots, you know, like yeah. three, three point shots versus like the hustle right up, right in the net. Yeah, exactly. It's different and then, different like, styles of play, if you will. The north side was all about defense. So yeah, it was all about like the South side, it was offense and who had the purest jump shot. North side was all about, you know, defending and playing a more physical game. So yeah, it was, it was super, super fun. It's, it's awesome that you guys capture that. Cause that's the kind of thing that isn't written down in a book somewhere. It's is, it is, as you say, experimental and experiential people actually kind of living, uh, living this out. Um, if we can, I think, you know, fast forward to one other campaign and then um, that I uh, saw on your LinkedIn, I thought was pretty interesting. Um, understand that you also worked on the All Blind Fantasy League. Uh, watched this video earlier today. I thought this was really interesting. This is really about, um, you know, maybe you can kind of, you know, again, describe kind of where this came about. It was in support, of, of course, of uh, Yahoo Sports and, yep. uh, and, 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 and 
fantasy uh, football, I believe, because that was uh, that was the big one. But again, what, what was what were we hoping to? Um, you know, what was the inspiration, I suppose, if you will, for uh, for this particular uh, campaign? Yeah, th- this one, this one's really special. Uh, it's got a special place for the team that worked on it uh, and for everyone, really. Um, yeah, we, you know, there was a focus on accessibility for this. You know, we're, we're very proud that, uh, you know, our products are accessible, uh, you know, to, to everyone, to all people. And we um, partner very closely with our accessibility marketing team. And we had kind of wanted to do something, uh, you know, really big and really special with uh, with our accessibility marketing team for quite some time. And, yeah, the timing was just right when we were producing you know, the overall go to market for fantasy football, we were made aware that um, our accessibility team was in contact with an all blind fantasy league and that, you know, they had reached out to us and just sang our praises and thanked us and told us how amazing, you know, the fantasy football product is and how accessible it is. So, you know, they were fans of us, we were fans of them. And yeah, we kind of, just thought, wouldn't it be amazing to tell a story of, you know, this league and mm-hmm. just feature the, you know, the characters of this league and yeah. see how they draft and see the trash talking. And see- I was going to bring that up. It's, it's pretty competitive. Um, especially yeah. it seems like everyone is just, uh, trying to take down the champ, the, the five-year running champ with his, uh, with his rings and so forth. It was, it was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, Brian, Brian yeah. out of uh, Brian out of Queens. Shout out! He's like he's, he's the reigning champ. <laughs> yeah, well, that's. I mean, I think that's um, you know also an under maybe an understated aspect of audio um, and how it is used for accessibility, both um, in on mobile devices, on kiosks, um, whether it's a bank machine or checking out at a grocery store. Um, at Voices.com, we definitely see a lot of clients. Um, taking, you know, kind of layering in accessibility um, and making um, their products and services, you know, uh, kind of reach a wider audience and support uh, all of their customers as well. Um, you know, if I may, you know, does um, does Yahoo have documented kind of audio brand guidelines, you know, that would cover music and sound or the style or performance of voice actors? I'm sure there's visual guidelines, right? Yahoo Purple, exclamation mark is a certain way, but how about the audio uh, element? Uh, you know, we definitely have voice guidelines uh, okay. for, you know, voice and copywriting, um, mm-hmm. just kind of guardrails of what the Yahoo voice is and isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I have to check with my brand team if we have like actual audio mm-hmm. <laughs> guidelines. Um, but I think, I mean, we, you know, w- when we think about, you know, VR recordings, it's, Again, we put it through the same lens as any any other kind of branding, and yeah. it's with the attitude. We like to say attitude, you know, that mm-hmm. Yahoo attitude. Um, a lot of authenticity, very <clears throat> very warm and approachable, and just mm-hmm. kind of real, and mm-hmm. definitely a little weird. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're kind <laughs> of a we're kind of a weird a weird brand in a in a great way. So how does how does that? Um kind of manifest what do you mean by what do you mean by what would be an example of weird um <laughs> or is I think it another like, you know it you know it when you see it kind of thing <laughs> yeah i mean i think just like you know yahoo has a quirkiness to it as a mm-hmm. brand i think uh i don't know what's an example um 
It all started I mean, I, with it all started with the yodel like 20 years ago. That would probably be a, an example of that. And it's just not that that's you know used you know nowadays, but that would probably be like originally, you know, kind of and, and maybe that you know that essence or kind of spirit's been carried on through other brands yeah. and properties. Yeah, I, that's a great example. I think the yodel is definitely you know captures that Yahoo vibe. It's uh, <laughs> it's proud, it's loud and proud. It's yeah. colorful. Uh, it's a little weird, you know, in a great way. But yeah. uh, I think. Yeah, it, it's it's really awesome because it gives us the freedom, you know, it gives us mm. the freedom to not be such a rigid brand and to, you know, it's Yahoo's a fun brand, you know, yeah. so it allows us to have fun with the marketing. So, oh, man, you're in, you're in a you're in a fortunate um, position um, to be able to do that and have that kind of, uh, um, you know, breadth of, of creativity and leeway, uh, as you say, for new producers that are out there. Um, what advice would you give that that you wish somebody told you ten years ago? Uh, you've you've given some examples earlier on, but you know, re- rewind the tape if you will, and be like, oh my goodness, maybe it was a a misstep or something that was obvious in hindsight. Like, had I known, um, you know, and I, I don't want to I don't want to lead the witness as I say here, but I'll, I'll turn the turn the mic over to you. Anything that you wish you knew ten years ago? Um, you know, it's. I do, I do think about this from time to time. Uh, I don't know. On one hand, you know, advice I think I would have benefited from is like, just do it all. Do, mm. you know, do as many things as possible. Try out as many things as possible. Um, I, and I do think that that is what landed me in production. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, I'm kind of like, I probably would have benefited from advice like, focus in on one discipline <laughs> so you can build equity in that discipline over, yeah. you know, the course of, of your career. But I don't know. I mean, I think as a creative, you, you got to, I mean, it sounds a little trite, but you got to follow your heart. You got to do work mm-hmm. that you're proud of. And, you know, I, I mean, I have to say like, in the it's really the latter part of my career only recently. Am I kind of like, stoked every day, you know, to mm-hmm. go to work. Um, and I don't, I don't know what that is. I, I don't know if that's, you know, early in your career, you're kind of figuring it out and, you know, whatever, but yeah, d- chase whatever gets you stoked, you know, yeah. what I mean? get chase the jobs, chase the teams. I, I mean, and that's another great point. I think the advice to like, go work on great teams, you know, mm-hmm. don't worry about the job or the right. title. You're going to be surrounded with really cool people and really talented people and kind people. You're going to be great. You're going to have fun. You're going to enjoy every day. And that's going to allow you to do your best work. You know? Yeah. So. I, I love that because they're almost like raising your game, right? You're, you're learning from others on your team, not just relying on a manager to kind of download information to you on the best way to do it. It's actually, if you will, through osmosis of just being on a team, being um, in person and seeing something or participating in a situation maybe you, you wouldn't otherwise. Um, I, I heard something similar about, you know, almost having like a tendency to say yes. Um, yeah. You know, you kind of you describe like, you know, trying out a lot of things. Um, if the posture is to say yes, and it's like, well, I'll take that next couple steps, um, you know, it, it eliminates this like hesitancy to like, I'm not so sure. It's like, well, if, if you just say yes more often than you say no, uh, you'll, pro- you'll, pro- <laughs> you'll probably be exposed to a lot more opportunity um, in life. So I, I think those are some great things that new producers uh, would, really, uh, would really benefit from. 
Um, so I, I think we covered a ton of ground here today. You've been super generous, Armando. Um, if people would like to follow your work, uh, what's, what's the best place to do so? Um, is there somewhere to go on, on Yahoo to see some of the, the videos um, or some of the campaigns that you have uh, currently in, in action? Yeah, yeah, check us out. I think, yeah, our URL is creative department, creative, D-E-P-T dot yahooinc.com. Awesome. So, yeah, all of our newest, all of our fun, quirky Yahoo projects are up there. And uh, yeah, check us out, join us, um, say hi to us. We'd, you know, would love to hear from everyone. So. That's awesome. Well, we will definitely get that. That's incredible. Um, so thanks for joining me today, Armando. Um, and I think uh, you delivered a ton of value and certainly got uh, my creative juices going as well, too. Well, until next time, I'm David Cicerelli, the CEO and founder of Voices.com, and also that you've been listening to Voice Branding. <laughs>